G'day, welcome to Lunch Money. Uh, we are your online and social media home for special situations, workouts and capital raising professionals. And here today at Lunch Money, we are live streaming our way through the national emergency. Uh, we are embracing the suck. Uh, what else is there to do? Um, and uh, I've got a great guest on, the perfect guest uh, today to talk us through uh, where we're at and what it all means for commercial lending. And to take a bit of a view, a bit of a walkthrough, uh, we're going to actually have a walk through the latest Reserve Bank uh, statistics. And rather than uh, sort of talk with them through the uh, through the lens of, you know, an academic economist or an observer or an analyst, uh, we're going to be uh, talking about these things through the lenses of people who actually manage money, lend money, you know, lose money, touch wood, hardly never uh, when it all goes wrong. And um, that's what we're going to do today. And we're going to do that with our special guest, Andy Way, who I will be introducing shortly. Before I do that, I am just going to remind you that if you're watching us live and if you ask a good question, uh, then we're going to send you this, uh, this uh, rare edition Lunch Money Bug. Now, if you're watching and you asked questions last week or the week before, we're in lockdown, so it's a little bit hard to send the mugs out right away. But we are going to work that out. How we can uh, how we can get them sent out to you? Uh, as you know, it's got the uh, Jing and blue there. Um, so feel free to ask us a live question. Um, okay. Well, without further ado, I'm going to introduce our first guest. Our first guest is Andrew Way from Semper. I don't know why I said first. Good, uh, well, good afternoon, now, Nick. How are you? Oh, look, I'm very well. I'm very well. Um, I, I, you know, maybe I should be depressed or something. You know, we've declared a national emergency, uh, but I think we're kind of getting used to it. I'm not sure. Um, um, what, what about yourself? It, it's certainly easier than last time. I'm sitting outside, as you can see, embracing the COVID look. Uh, not, not got a suit on, and I haven't shaved. Well, it's, it's a, a, a rare attempt at a beard. Uh, two kids that are connected to school indoors, so I'm banished to the outside, mate. Well, I must say, I'm shaving once a week, and it's on Friday mornings. Uh, so uh, uh, that, that's it. That's it. Now, listen, Andy, I haven't actually formally introduced you. You're the director at, uh, at Semper. Uh, you've been doing that, I mean, 10 or 11, 12 years? I mean, about as long as uh, I know. Well, Semper is, is uh, the second iteration of a 20-year-old business. So we've yeah. been lending commercially in Australia for 20 years. Um, and as you rightly point out, uh, we're a commercial lender, but we also have a unique treasury function um we issue all of our all of our loans as fixed income instruments uh similar to bonds uh but there's something particularly unique about it so when we are talking about economics you know we're concerned equally as much about the property market as anything else because everything hinges on that well we've got skin in the game don't we but tell me what what is it that keeps you busy this week uh this week testing of a fractionalization platform it's uh, the first of its kind that takes all of our mortgages and fractionalizes them into single dollar bits relevant to LVR. So we're launching uh, uh, a marketplace for people to invest in those mortgages at various levels of LVR, specific or portfolio. It's uh, the most transparent platform. So uh, that's what's kept me busy this week, Nick. Well, that's very exciting. So just talk us through that. From, so that's for you. That's a service for your investors, obviously. It is, it is, but we have a unique capital adequacy uh, forming uh, system as well. So similar to the banks, we want to make sure that we've got capital in the game. So we write all of our loans in a warehouse uh, and then we on-sell those warehouse loans, 90% of them at least, 
so that we're the first in and last out. So we float to the highest risk on every single loan. Um, right. So we've we've definitely got skin in the game. We're you know we are as I said we originate them and uh, we have to stay there till the last dollars out. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the way the investors like it, don't they? They certainly don't yeah. want you bailing out at the first whiff of grape shot. Um, all right. Look, let's uh, let, let's start walking through what I wanted to do today is we're going to talk a little bit about uh, inflation, GDP, business investment, interest rates, um, and I want to talk a little bit about non-performing bank loans as well. Mm. Um, mm. Just before you do that, I'm going to say something a little bit controversial, and then I don't want you to comment because we'll both end up in trouble. You know, I did hear one person say that the, the worldwide response to this pandemic is the greatest uh, policy failure, the greatest public policy failure since World War One. We'll leave that alone because we'll end up in trouble. But whilst I'm looking at the great ATM, I think we're calling it. The Great ATM. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's trademarked by Andy Way, the Great <laughs> ATM. I love it. That that is absolutely fantastic. I just thought before we get into our into the into our substance, and while I was looking at the greatest, uh, greatest policy failure, etc., I noticed there was a headline um uh about Bitcoin. I thought I'd just sneak in a Bitcoin question just to sort of set the tone. Mm -hmm. And there's an article here, billionaire Magellan Boss says Bitcoin going to zero. Uh, he said that uh, he slammed cryptocurrency markets as one of the greatest mass delusions in world history. And guess there's yeah. a lot of mass delusion going on. So what's your thought on that? Yes, it, it is. The, I think it's the greatest Ponzi scheme uh, in, in the world. Um, and you talk to any aficionado and ask them to explain uh, how uh, Bitcoin is mined. Uh, and they'll struggle their way through it. Now, I understand it may be pegged, of course, to the value of, of electricity because it's really, it takes a great deal of electricity to mine. I understand that. But I'm just, uh, I was laughing that there was in the UK a house that was found that, uh, and in the basement, the owners of the house were harvesting electricity, bypassing the meter, and they were doing it on an industrial scale. The police immediately thought there must be some kind of uh, marijuana plant there. So they went through the house, nothing there. Turns out it's Bitcoin that was stealing electricity. These people were mining uh, electricity to mine Bitcoin. <laughs> so it gives you that's an idea bizarre. of that's uh, <laughs> insane. It's well, 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 well uh, um, Warren Buffett calls it uh, rat poison. So, uh, yeah. okay, look, let's, let's, let's start off. We're going to go to our first slide, slide number six. Uh, and we're just uh, having a look at inflation here. Um, yeah. And the reason I wanted to start here, as you can see, this is Australia, these are the various measures of Australia, uh, inflation in Australia. And we, yeah. have, um, we have it underneath two. We've got a video of the Reserve Bank saying uh, something about sure. this. Our strategy is to do what we reasonably can with monetary policy to achieve low unemployment in Australia and a rate of inflation that is sustainably within the 2 to 3% range. And then if we go to slide number one, I just want to know, what do you think? I mean, is inflation temporary? And, and what, what do you think it means? Mm. Just seeing it in asset prices when you're getting your valuations done. Yeah. And look at that curve well, there. We, I mean, you can cross-correlate this to the US and the UK, two large markets, one which uses the CPI, of course, in the US, and the UK uses the retail price index. Um, the U.S. has expected a 0.3 rise in inflation uh, in the last month, and they've had a, I'm just checking my statistics, double that, 0.6. Um, the uh, U.K. 
has shot up to, uh, I think it's three times expected there. The, the challenge we've got, and with all this quantitative easing, and we can talk quant, uh, quantitative easing till the cows come home, but when you're printing money uh, and you're doing it uh, in a way that is keeping jobs, uh, it's really not being productive. The, the printing of money in these markets is really going to keep people's salaries. Um, you have to expect there to be a, a blip in inflation when you see uh, COVID uh, markets opening up again because there's a latent demand to spend. So, uh, you know, we can't trust the inflation numbers yet. It's far too early. We might just be seeing a latent demand being picked up from people being locked down um, because we've seen supply chain disruption, uh, which has also delayed the spend. And we might just, just be seeing... Uh, that latent demand get taken up. It's too early to pick. Yeah. Okay. So you're you're sort of in the in the latent demand camp. Although I, I uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's let, let, well, let's let's have a look at. Um, I mean, the thing that concerns me. We're going to talk about interest rates as well. Uh, you know, we if you look at that. We, we should also back to, to asset uh, asset balloons because that's definitely happening. With the form yeah. of queuing that we've got going on at the moment, particularly when you've got reserve banks which are putting uh, money onto, uh, they're basically uh, printing government money. Of course, they're doing it in a way in which banks buy the bonds, which are an asset on their balance sheet, and then they can borrow 12 and a half times that asset to lend as credit. So we're seeing um, substantially wealthy people, the people that can afford to buy a property are buying property. There's a great deal of investment going into real estate. And uh, you might have heard me call real estate in Australia, excuse me, while the helicopter goes over, um, the new gold standard to which the currency is pegged. So it would be useful to come back to that. But let's let's get back in your, your train of inflation thought. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, uh, you, you know, you're not going to want to hold cash, are you? I mean, I, I, you know, this is not investment advice. You're going backwards. You're, you're going backwards holding cash. Well, this is yeah. the thing. I mean, uh, you know, it's... Uh, if you, if you, if you, if you, if this this whole thing of getting caught on the sidelines, and of course that then feeds into the frenzy. Let's just have a look now at slide number three, um, just to see where we are, because one of the things that um, that the RBA uh, governor has been talking about is whether you know we're, whether or not we're seeing growth, etc., as to whether when it's an appropriate is, time to interest, increase interest rates. Well, this is a classic example of where the fiscal policy is not stimulus. It's really just there to keep jobs, right? Because you're not yeah. seeing any growth. There's no stimulus in the market. Um, it isn't productive money. Uh, there is no velocity of, of, of cash. There's no high level of transactions. So the question is, where's that money going? It's it, it, it definitely disproportionately going onto bank balance sheets and into property investment. But it isn't having a positive effect on the economy. Well, I mean, it we, we are... Going backwards, of course, but... yeah. Aren't we just kicking the can down the road? I mean, all of this borrowing, which is going to last into two generations, to prevent asset prices from doing what asset prices in capital markets usually do, which is to reset, seems to me to be incredibly selfish. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the intergenerational issue is uh, is the issue that concerns me. I don't know how old your kids, Andy. I think they're roughly the same as mine. I mean, I've got... Yeah, I was laying out the gate. Mine are 12 and 15. All right. Well, I've got 16 up to 20, uh, 23. 
Uh, but you know, yeah. I mean, that, you know, I don't know what you were doing when uh, I can imagine what you you were up to when you were at uh, the age of twenty, um, and uh, you know, imagine having all that denied uh, you right right at the moment. But let's yeah. let's not dwell on that too much. If we just we'll just go to slide ten to see where where mm. the business investment is that makes up that GDP. Yeah, so we've got. Uh, we've just got how this is, you know, business investments breaking down because you were saying, it is, you know, the money is rushing into property, obviously. Um, I mean, over the years, we've seen a bit of a decline uh, in machinery and equipment as we're losing our our, um, our manufacturing capacity. Um, I mean, when, when you're, obviously, you're doing a lot in the commercial space, hmm. you know, you're doing the resis and the apartments and all that sort of stuff, but you're also financing commercial properties. Uh, I mean, yeah. what are the trends that you're picking up in your business? Are you are you are you funding more of the warehouses, the Amazon style stuff, or is it? Yeah, for sure. Know? I mean, you, in industrial sites in inner cities and also between major cities, there's there's great um, appreciation of value, and mainly because of uh, obviously transport disruptions, um, a, a greater reliance and increasing reliance on domestic uh, distribution uh, is resulting in those sort of industrial. Sort of property in cities going up in value. Uh, I'm I'm shy of, of much in the in the residential space. Uh, I feel that you know, I'm keeping my eye out for continued inflation because if that happens and interest rates go up, we know that you know, after the GFC, a quarter percent rise in interest rates caused property prices to come down ten percent between March and August of that year. So we um, we are into that sort of crazy market and on the residential side of things. So I'm a bit shy there, um, but certainly agriculture um, things tied to their own standard of wealth, such as beef farms with beef prices being the way they are. Um, those those seem to be faring very well, and I've got a, a, a good short to medium term outlook on that stock. Uh, but on residential apartments and and, and and property residential property generally. I'm cautious. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that's interesting that you say that. Um, I, I, I know, look, I mean, I was around certainly uh, in the recession we had to have, you know, back in the early mm. 90s. Uh, and there was no doubt, I mean, apartment uh, prices plummeted. But I mm. don't, I, the, the thing is, what triggered that was the high interest rates. You know, uh, Paul Keating talked yeah. about the economy effervescing and we had interest rates, you know, in the high teens to the, you know, I mean, I was lending at AGC at 23.5% on property development. Yeah, I remember so, 18 yeah. So how do they yeah. put up interest rates in this environment? I mean, if inf this is a thing, if inflation gets out of hand, how do you put up interest rates? Well, this is the problem. I don't, first of all, we don't know if we have to yet because the one thing that is untested, bearing in mind fiat currencies themselves and breaking away from the, cold, uh, the gold standard is still a 50-year experiment. And uh, we've seen uh, quantitative easing in the US now for almost, what, 15 years? Um, and uh, if you, when you think that 40% of all dollars ever printed have been printed in the last 12 months, let that hang for a minute. And yet, yeah. 40% of all dollars ever printed have been printed in the last 12 months. And yet, and well, it's a fact. Of, and 40% uh, of all Americans would struggle to meet an unexpected $400 bill. So where's that money going? That's a big question. Um, but I digress. How can you inc increase interest rates? It's very, very difficult. Um, what The question that, that, that remains unanswered is, 
is quantitative easing and the printing of money and the cost of interest on those bonds deflationary in itself? Uh, this is a new experience. Because if it is, uh, then the argument, at least against inflation, is that as long as you keep printing more money, um, the cost is deflationary, but you create these incredible asset bubbles. So you've got wealthy people holding assets and you've got poor people who can never get on the asset ladder. Um, and, and, and that debt at some point has to get to the point where there is not enough productive tax dollars coming in to meet the cost of interest. You can't keep doing it. And, uh... Well, well, the tr trouble is that, uh, you know, that what's happening is borrowers effectively are reappropriating the wealth of savers. But look, what we'll do is we're going to go to next slide 12 and then and then we'll segue to slide 23. Um, mm. I just want to sort of, we'll talk about interest rates, but we're just going to make a little stop along the way at this NAB survey. And I, and I do need to get my glasses out. Uh, to look at that one. Uh, that's, um, I don't think there's anything unexpected there when you look at the timeline at the bottom. You've got business conditions, business confidence. Look at me, nearly 60, and I haven't got my glasses on. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, just, just, if, we, we're gonna, just if we can play that ScoMo clip. Um, People will go back to work. People will go back and buy things in the shops. The sites will open again, and the economy will come back to life very, very quickly. Yeah, that, that's just positive spin, isn't it? You know, yeah. what he's not saying is, I'm sorry I stuffed up the, uh, the vaccination <laughs> program when we had no infections in Australia and didn't get everybody vaccinated. That's what he should be saying, but that, that isn't what a politician does in a lead-up to an election year, is it? Well, he's not going to stand there and quote Elvis Costello and say, hurry down, doomsday, the bugs are taking over. Um, <laughs> but have you, have you had your shots? Yeah, mate. I've uh, in huh? fact I had my first. I got my second next week. AstraZeneca. Yeah. I had my second AstraZeneca shot last week, and uh, yeah. the only side effect I had was uh, I went home and lit a fire, and I started playing um, Fleetwood Mac. Now I hate <laughs> Fleetwood Mac, and so I can only put that down to uh, to AstraZeneca. Okay, so now uh, we're going to go to slide twenty three, and just take a look at um, take a look at those interest rates. Well, firstly, uh, you know, uh, obviously there's a trend down. I and mean, we were talking about, you know, when we were, I'm surely same with you. When I was cutting my teeth in commercial lending, you know, interest rates, like I said, for property finance, it was up to 23 and a halves. And, you mm. know, then it got to mid-teens and then it got to sub-10 and I sort of tracked my career along there. Uh, it got up when when things were, were, uh, were bubbling in the sort of late 2000s, pre, you know, pre the GFC. Um, and then they've been sliding down ever since. Now, what this is really a result of is quantitative easing. It is the money printing. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, do you are you across modern monetary theory? Are you into that at all? In what sense? In when? Well, modern. Mod, mod, okay, so there's this modern monetary theory. So there's this book that was published by a New York. It's a New York Times bestseller. And modern monetary theory says that money printing doesn't cause inflation, um, that governments have a, uh, a moral obligation, in fact, to print money uh, to help people that are in trouble. And it's not going to be inflationary. Don't worry about that because all they're going to, uh, all they're going to do um, is, uh, is increase tax. So if, if money printing creates inflationary pressure, that's okay. The government just, uh, just taxes it and keeps uh, track of inflation that way. I don't, I'm not buying that. Now, Darren Anderson, who we both know, says no one should hate Fleetwood Mac. But um, <laughs> that's disturbing because Darren's younger than both of us. 
Um, so, yeah, I can't uh, see Darren popping along to snow-covered hills or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> I know the man. He's more like a. He's got to be into the rock. Um, yeah, I yeah. understand. I understand this this modern theory, but you know, it is it is a socialist form of economics, um, yeah. and. You know, I, I honestly believe that the most productive money is in the private sector. Uh, government's taxing is, is never proven in any market to be a, an effective, um, well, governments don't spell, spend money well or efficiently, right? Uh, and they're not, and they don't have to because we only put them in for three years here. So what the hell they like with it. But the private sector is here for the long term. So I can understand why this theory of let's tax and uh, as as a means of because we use interest rates to uh, to encourage people uh, uh, to save as opposed to spend. So why not take tax money off them? Well, that's just inefficient. I don't hold with it. I've never seen it work. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, we could get into the whole. I, I, I'm not in MMT. Is to me uh, Keynes on steroid. I mean, MMT makes Keynes look like a like a like a right winger. Um, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of more of a, a Mises Austrian school, but we, we won't uh, we won't get into that. Uh, our next slide, I think we are going to now have a look. Uh, we're going to slide 17, I think, uh, where we're looking. Now, this is one of uh, the person who put me onto this slide is Martin North, who's got a wonderful podcast uh, live stream, the DFA uh, Walk the World, which I'm sure that some of our viewers would be familiar with. And we had Martin as a guest. Yeah. But he pointed this out actually... Uh, Warren Hogan, who's the chief economist at Judo Bank, also likes this slide. Um, and, and what it's showing us is broad money, which is effectively the money supply. Uh, mm -hmm. You see it's 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 pumping along. Now it's, it's, it, that's the growth in broad money. But the growth in broad money is still outstripping the growth in the demand for credit, right? So you can see the demand for yeah. credit's gone down, broad money's going up, and it's creating, um, you know, pool, these, these pools of capital. Um, you know, yeah, all this money think, about. Well, I think I, I talked about this slide the other day because if you go back to that and you look at the periods where the broad money has exceeded the credit supply, um, particularly you'll see 2008, there's that blip in, uh, in the GFC, and then you've got the softer economy, uh, 2011 property prices were, were, were sort of bubbling about for a while, but now we've got a situation where we've seen. We've, we've got a, a large supply of broad money and we've got a diminished, it's not really a diminishing credit, is it? It's just that we've done so much QE that the line has to go down in comparative values because it's not in a negative territory there. It's still at 1%. And again, uh, you know, we've got to ask ourselves, are we going to see, um, if it's about property, for me, are we going to see some pressures on the property market? Uh, while, while interest rates are, are where they are, when, when money is free, as long as people are willing to borrow and banks are willing to lend it to them, the property market will stay up. But uh, I know we've spoken about this previously. It's about mortgage stress is more than about interest rates. It's about affordability from net disposable income. And we have a situation in Tasmania at the moment where 55% of households, despite low interest rates, are claiming some level of mortgage stress. That's 55%. Uh, and they are spending about the same percentage of their net disposable income on their mortgage interests and, in, and, and let's call it plus interest, I suppose. Um, and what's happened in, in Tasmania, of course, it's reliant on heavily reliant on tourism and the tourism dollar is not going down there. So they've not seen an increase in interest rates, but they've been, there's been a decrease in, in, in income. So... Morrison says we're all going to get back to work and everything's going to be fine. I'm not so sure. 
Um, well, I, let, the me, way they, uh, no. let me say that uh, one way of uh, getting a little bit of more certainty in your life is to share, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell on your Lunch Money podcast uh, so that you don't miss out on uh, having the opportunity to uh, catch, catch Get the wisdom of uh, guests such as our uh, uh, such as a a Andrew Way today, and just also a reminder: uh, we've had a few people. We can see that there's people uh, asking a few questions and making a few comments. If you want this lovely mug with your G and blue interior there, then uh, join us live and ask a question. Okay, um, now let's just uh, just want to see uh, what's happening with um, with business loan commitments here. Uh, we're, you know, we're seeing what's happening with borrowing. Uh, we're seeing, a, well, increase in construction, which is interesting, but now we've told all the construction workers they've got to go home. Uh, today, they've announced in Sydney that they're locking down more of the LGAs. Blacktown and Seven Hills, I think, is uh, are being locked mm -hmm. down. Um, how do you think that's going to impact? Uh, firstly, have you got any other takeouts on that graph, which I suddenly just thrust upon you? I'm just wondering whether the other is settlement of, of other debts. Um, so you might, you know... You, uh, it's right. not explained what it is. There's a heavy reliance there again on property, as you'd expect. And your question was, uh, what do I think? And look, when you shut down construction sites, you don't stop the interest that rolls on those loans, do you? Um, that's yeah, well, profits. Yeah, well, I mean, look, one of, one of the things about that, uh, one of the things, if we just jump back to that slide 17, where because we've got this broad money exceeding the demand mm. for credit, is that people are actually paying down their debt. Right, so, sort of so yeah, we still we still have uh, we still have about uh, it was uh, two years ago it was about two uh, household debt was two hundred percent of net disposable income. It's now one seventy, so that's come off a bit, but it's right. still quite high. We're still the fourth highest nation in terms of household debt in the world, and the other three are Scandinavian countries. Um, we're going to just have a look at. Um, this one here. Now, this one goes back to 1991 and gives mm. us a look at banks' non-performing loans. Now, look at that enormous. Now, you know, our, our friends that are in the insolvency game are uh, are obviously probably doing it tough, just as you know, just as anyone who relies on uh, on on banks putting pressure. Uh, on small and medium-sized business uh, to, to generate their work, you know, to put it bluntly. Um, you know, they all sort of hanker back to the day, the glory days of, uh, of the recession we had to have back in the early 90s. I mean, look at that. Non-performing assets now, not even 1%, uh, whereas back in the GFC, uh, not in the GFC, sorry, back in the recession we had to have, uh, what's that? That's sort of uh, almost pushing 8%. Now, bearing in mind that pre you know, pre-1991, you know, you're in the 80s, there was the effervescent, we had the Laurie Connells and the Allen Bonds, um, and we also had um, uh, the the opening up of the, of the Australian banking system, right? So you had all these foreign banks coming into Australia that weren't here before, and there was, so there was massive creation of, of debt. Um, now, I suppose we don't have that problem now, do we, where there's lots and lots of new lenders is, uh, lending like drunken sailors? Well, this is from APRA. So APRA's already relaxed uh, non-performing asset um, reporting standards. Um, right. So all of those COVID-affected loans, there's still a large number there, are underreported. Uh, they are underperforming. They're not necessarily non-performing. So we can expect to change that graph to the upward. 
Um, but the banks are holding on to them because the property market's going up. They're not putting businesses with property debts they can't afford into receivership. So the poor old liquidators and receivers, um, bless them, are, are not making the money they used to make. The banks have got long tails now in their workout departments. Um, they don't lose patience. We used to do quite a bit of hand-holding in poor debt situations while um, businesses sold down assets to get back to bank affordability. We don't see much of that at the moment, a little bit of it, but not much. Well, I think the other thing is that uh, a lot, I think what we've seen certainly in the last 12 months and probably going back more than that, is that a lot of loans that might turn into problem loans at the banks are being mopped up by uh, private funds. Uh, now, yeah. I know, you know, you and I talk about, you know, we've been around a long time and I was talking to you the other day and was saying, I was mm. saying that maybe you and I should have loaned, you know, lent like drunken sailors and pumped yeah. our books up and then uh, floated and then uh, chuffed off with the money because there's a lot of money coming in. I, there's a lot of new products and, and I think innovation's wonderful. I'm not a, quite the dinosaur, but I don't know. I think when the tide goes out, if the tide ever goes out, uh, what, what, what do you think? Well, I'm a fairly con I'm a conservative lender, as you probably know. We have we don't have one COVID-affected loan. Um, uh, we haven't got a loan that's over 30 days uh, due in interest, so we, we're very conservative. But um, you know, if yeah, you 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 can you can perhaps change your patterns. I uh, I'm fairly comfortable in mine. I I know no matter what the market does, then my portfolio and my my investors and people are going to be okay. But I I, uh, I hear your point. Uh, those that did lend like drunken sailors have uh, have, have sold through quite well. Um, but it isn't it isn't what it isn't how I how I like to look at business. You know, one of the one of the things that we apply is the benefit of borrowing. If we lend to a business, we want to see that they have a they're going to get a benefit out of borrowing. Now, this takes me back to being involved in NCCP one and two when I was on the Treasury Advisory Board there for industry, and they tried to introduce uh, responsible lending guidelines um, and uh, to to small business lending, which really effectively made the lender um, have all the authority with no responsibility for the borrowing decision of the company. So we scotched it, but. Um, Certainly, had they introduced that, it would have had a, a very negative effect, I think, on borrowing because even private lenders particularly uh, have access to cheaper and cheaper capital. There's no doubt about it. But the, the risk pricing on borrowing at the moment is completely out of whack. There's two types of borrowers, those paying too much interest and those not paying enough interest. And there's two types of investors not getting enough interest and those getting too much interest, and never the twain shall meet. There is no risk pricing in the market, and that concerns me. Banks are lending money very cheaply for risks they, they just don't understand. So that's why I worry about that graph, that APRA graph. Yeah. When you've well, let's have, let's, have, let's have a look at this slide number 28 looks at interest rate margin. Um, yeah, there you go. And, There's your interest rate margin. Yeah. You know, now look at it uh, back in 2000, and, and even in yeah. 2000 it was less than what it was. Now, sure, that you know we've got technology and banks are becoming more efficient, et cetera, et cetera. But how can you afford to uh, to, to write loans off when you when your interest well, rates are that there's low? Of, there's there's a bit of Tina at play here in the institutions, mate. You know, Tina, there is no alternative. We are mm. the fourth most liquid market in the world because of our compulsory super. 
And all that is going to go somewhere. Uh, and if and that's why we've got the stock market with PE ratios that are ridiculous at the moment. But the, it's also going into a lot of uh, mortgage positions for securitizations, RMBS, covered bonds. Um, and there is no alternative. So the margins that they'll accept are very, very low. As long as the banks can securitize large packets of their off-balance sheet, I might add, um, then they'll accept lower margins because they're spreading that risk off balance sheet. Uh, you know, there doesn't have to be much of a shift in in the property market for some of those margins to get, you know, if you go back to that slide, because I'm looking at my ugly face again, <laughs> uh, you know, you've got too little margin there to absorb very much loss. So you'd want to hope that you've passed that, that risk on to, and, and, and de-risk it off balance sheet into the institutions. But then, you know, it's your pension. It's my pension. It's uh, well, it's oh. yours. And we've got self-managed super funds, I expect. But, you know, the it's a well, large... Well, yeah, yes, yes. yes, but even if, but even in self-managed super funds, uh, the sorts of returns that you could get in a self-managed super fund by investing in alternative funds, you know, they, they've gone down. And, and some alternative funds, there's less, you know, there's less demand for capital. So if you're not already in one of these funds it's difficult to get in I, you know i um and and so you do have this cash that's sitting on the sidelines and then you are piling into property and uh and then of course we've got lockdown now so regional property you know if you own any property outside of sydney i reckon hmm. you're probably doing okay right now and then of course there's the m a market right because people you know hmm. businesses uh, are accumulating cash as well you know they're paying hmm. down their debts they're accumulating cash and they're going well what are we going to do with this money where are we going to find growth because there isn't any organic growth and so they're piling into acquisitions. Everything gets riskier and riskier. Um, yeah. According to my uh, my sports watch here, we are running out of time. Uh, so I wonder what sort of advice you've got for uh, our primary constituents, which are our commercial brokers. What 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 uh, what are you telling them to to look out for at the moment? They should have a. I'd look at the commercial brokers. The best commercial brokers that we see are those that have a broad understanding of their client base and a broad understanding of of their lender base. Uh, we, despite the fact that we see money going onto bank balance sheet balance sheets, we're not seeing QE attitudes uh, filtering down to SMEs. We're not seeing banks committing to SME lending at all. Uh, it's, it, it is taking too long or it's not happening at all. So a great deal of that is getting picked up by private lenders or the secondary lending market. Uh, and knowing, knowing those lenders and their appetites for risk will broaden the capacity to meet the needs of your client. That's probably the, the best piece of advice in the current market. I've got a question here. Uh to of Chris Arnold, who I don't know, do you know Chris? He is he's been a broker, been around for a long time. He's up in Newcastle. Uh, and he asked, would you compare the likelihood of a crash similar to the 70s when they couldn't give property away? Uh, wow. Yeah, well, we, we, we talk about this. And, you know, it doesn't matter what interest rates are doing if sentiment goes, but sentiment won't go yet. Um, it's getting to the point now where property values are so high, it's not an economic or even a domestic economic issue. It starts to become a political one. When, uh, a, when a, a, a graduate lawyer on a good salary can't live in Sydney because he can't afford to get on the housing ladder, then things are getting politically hot, uh, as I said. Um, 
you've just got to hope for a soft landing. You've got to hope that the RBA can manage a soft landing, which is a disinflationary process, you might think, of property values. But if sentiment goes and if we do see inflation really take hold, if they haven't got a grip of the QE, if the uh, modern economics is wrong and we are all entering into a hyper or a high inflation period, as soon as the property market starts to shift and banks become nervous um, and, and the credit squeeze hits, for sure, property prices could tumble. Uh, all right, I'm going knows. to get that. Now, I'm going to give all those people who normally ask me questions after we're finished, uh, you've, got a, you've got two minutes to get your questions in. Usually what happens is we log off and uh, we stop streaming and then I get about two or three questions pop up. So if you're one of those people, uh, this is your chance because we are going to log off very shortly. Yeah, I mean, we, we know talking about, I mean, Chris has talked there about, I mean, I don't remember not being able to give away properties in the 70s. I do know that my wife um, was talking to someone on the Central Coast the other day who was talking about way back when they bought a prop, they bought their home for $7,000. They mm. were going to buy on the beach itself for $12,000, but they thought it was a little bit too salty and sandy. And in this particular spot, you know, houses are going for 7 and $8 million right now. Uh, mm. because people want to be on the beach. But, you know, I think about I think about more recently when the mining sector came off, you know, five or six mm. years ago, um, and you, for example, you couldn't give away drilling rigs, right? Now, right now, yeah. uh, you can't you can't get, find a drilling rig for love nor money, nor, nor prime mm. movers or any kind of heavy equipment. Uh, I mean, I, you know, so think about that, you know, I, I don't know, are we going to find those sort of dynamics playing into the property market? Well, it certainly can happen. I mean, especially when you've got low migration rates in a country that requires an influx of people. You, you certainly can. You, you know the old economic rule. You've only got to have more sellers than buyers. Um, and that's, uh, you know, once that starts, then uh, it's, it's fear of missing out or fear of getting out. Um, I've seen it in the UK uh, in the late 80s, seen it in the States in the 90s. Uh, saw it in Hong Kong in the late 90s. You couldn't sell a property for love nor money. Um, so it can happen. Okay. Well, Andy, I know this is hard to believe, but uh, we're actually out of time. And it, it, it sort of hardly feels no. like... Oh, here we go. Frank Lopolato. There's always one. Uh, do you believe the share market will have a severe correction? Now, this is not financial advice, uh, but we. Mm. so we're just going... So you, you, uh, we, Andy and, and I specialise in commercial, uh, it's commercial finance. But what do you reckon? Uh, you know, well, I, I don't own a single stock. I don't own a single stock. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, well, I do have friends who uh, who cashed out a year ago. I know, you know, I'll never forget, um, you know, back when all of this first happened, I was at a barbecue with my neighbours and one of them who's a, who's a you know project manager in construction, he said, oh, mate, I, I cashed out all my stocks, you know, a week ago. And I just piled back in. I've, I've bought the market again. I thought, mate, what would you know? Of course, he picked the exact bottom of the market and his mm. portfolio's uh, just gone gangbusters. I mean, look, my view um, of the stock market, I mean, I, I'm not an investor in the stock market as well. I mean, like you, Andy, I, I don't know, but I, I sort of invest in my own business. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the yields are so low. M&As are crazy. Yeah. I, you, you look... You could fly. Well, you, you you could. There's a there's a there's a there's a repair shop across the road, uh, Han Automotive Services. 
I reckon I could IPO them tomorrow, you know, and, and you mm. can probably get people piling into them. In a few weeks' time, actually, um, we've got, uh, we're, we're talking about a recent IPO, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun um, so with, with someone who's actually got an IPO away. That's what I think. Um, that, that's that, that's what I think. Hang on, Chris Arnold's got a late, a late, a late, a late scratching. Dow Jones home units, Dow Jones of home units, Australia are a highly developed North Shore. All crashes, as did in the North Shore. Beware. Okay. All right. Well, we might uh, we might we might close on that. Thank you very much, Chris. And Chris, I hope you are keeping. That's well. not nice, Chris. That's not nice, Chris. I'm in, I'm in I'm in Northbridge. <laughs> yeah, well, I tell you what, the, uh, the it's it's slowly closing in on us. Uh, Seven Hills is uh, only about two councils away from me, so uh, it's it's all creeping in. But uh, Chris, uh, Chris is a, a great Swans, uh, a Swans supporter. So go to the Swans this weekend, Chris. Uh, we've at least got that to keep us. Uh, keep you want us me up. to sing Sweet Caroline as we edit, to send us out? Do you want me oh, to sing no, Sweet, Sweet Caroline? Caroline? Well, that's the final quarter now. No, that's okay. All right, Andy, thank you so much. Thanks, it's been man. wonderful. I don't know why we've waited so long to have you on hopefully uh, we can get you on again no worries and thank you to uh, all of our live viewers and um, a special good day to all of our uh, podcast listeners uh, don't forget to share like and subscribe and uh, give us a five-star rating on uh, on itunes or on uh, google and um, now you can get back to uh, watching that uh, live stream of kanye's album just dropping see you later <laughs> cheers <laughs>